Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Startup Podcast. Crucial Conversations got Jamal here with me. Jamal, good evening, sir. Good evening, good friend. How are we doing tonight? Well, the, things are good. I just got my I just got my flu shot. So did my kids. We went in, and uh, Grant did something weird. He watched his injection. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, and I was like, that's weird, Grant. He's like, no, I have more trust that way. Cause like normally kids look away, like yeah. Anna looked away. Uh, thank God Ava wasn't with us. She's in college, but she's still just, she does not like shots, but Grant watched it. It was kind of, kind of fun to watch. Him. Yeah. 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 Huh. <laughs> so, about, so go ahead. What about your kids? You get, do they, do they, do they squirm? Do they hate the, the flu shots? Man, I'm not going to even lie to the people. Um, we haven't gotten flu shots as of, as of uh, this current moment. Okay. So, well, it's, it's, it's one of those, uh, yeah, it's one of those things that a lot of times some people hate needles, some people don't, but I don't know. We'll see. But yeah, man, so that was, that was my evening and circled back and excited to do a podcast. What are we talking about tonight, Jamal? We're talking about clarity, Don. Clarity. Providing clarity, the importance of clarity, whatever you want to call it. We're talking about clarity because it's so, so, so important. Okay, so let's jump into. Are you talking about clarity just amongst friends, coworkers? What we got? We're talking about clarity um, from from leaders and those who follow, um, or just clarity in an organization, in any organization, and and its impact. Um, I think I think this is one of those things where uh, we conceptualize these two things differently. All right, set the table for me. All right, so so when it so when it comes to clarity, right? I think um, providing clarity gives leaders or, or, or organizations your your path forward. the The problem that I see that I've seen in my career is things are not always so clear. We're, we're, we're vague, especially in schools. We say things like student achievement. We want to impact student achievement. We want to, you know, be a champion for all kids. But what, do, what does that really mean? And that's something really, that's, a, that's an extremely big thing to start breaking down. And then, and then really what you see is you will have different versions of what that means. We'll say, well, just make sure that whatever you do, you do what's right for kids. Well, if, if we're not clear on what that looks like and how that's defined, then what I think is right for kids is to allow them to make up work at any time. But what my counterpart thinks what's right for kids is we have to teach them discipline. So that way, if, if they turn in anything and it's one minute late, it's 50% off. And my grading scale looks like this, or you know, the way I operate looks different when we, when we don't provide um, clarity. And for me, and for me, I, I have I have four points that I think drive clarity. But before I get into my four points, Don, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, so this is going to be fun to to dissect because there are some people that work within the vagueness, and they almost want it vague. Because a lot of times, when you want those, uh, you know, statements like you know, we want this to work for all children. Uh, you don't really mean all children. 
Uh, there's always going to be some outliers and there's always going to be some like, oh, okay, this one I can understand, you know? Um, so I think that there's going to be some clarity, but with exceptions from time to time. Absolutely. And I don't, I don't believe that there is a, a there is no catch all system that can ever be created outside, exactly. outside of the process of cellular respiration and photosynthesis. Um, I think that's the only thing, and you know what I mean by that in, in layman terms is we breathe out carbon dioxide and breathe in oxygen and plants breathe in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. So I think that's the only catch-all perfect system outside of that. If you know another one, please DM me and let me know. But when it comes to, when it comes to clarity, I think um, having clarity allows you the, the mechanisms to um, make those key decisions when you do have what I call deviance from what you created your system of support to look like. And I'll get right into the, the first point when it comes to, to clarity. I think, I think it's important um, to base all of any goal or any decision or anything that you're trying to do as an organization. Um, you, you do it for the right reason. So doing the right things for the right reasons. And, um, and I say that because sometimes when, when we're trying to build a team or um, go about doing, doing anything, we, we as leaders, sometimes we try to use our influence to, I, I don't say manipulate people in a positive manner. Um, you know, there's positive manipulation and there's like, you know, negative manipulation, but we'll say things like, Hey, I know that you want to advance your career. So I have this growth opportunity for you and you know you sell people on the on the concept of a growth opportunity or something other than the the main reason behind why it is that you're doing what you're doing and then you know with with doing things for the right reasons there are things that i like to consider you know we talk about motive you know are, are our motives right because some people like i said will just do the you know do something and it's you know, for my selfish motives, I, I want to go be this, or I want to do this. I really want to make money, but this also helps these kids when, when really we should be doing those things um, just really for the right reasons or whatever the, the goal is. Do my beliefs and my motives align with the goal or are they personal or are they rooted in manipulation? I think that's the first point of, of clarity. Okay, so on the other person listening to it, how do they know if your motives are aligned? Can you elaborate on that just a touch? Well, I mean, you're talking about, you know, your motives and, and you know, as, as you're going through this process, you like internally, you know, it should be aligned. How do you like the person that you're instructing? How do they have that sense or do you inspire that sense in them? Yeah, as a leader, you definitely need to inspire that sense. And that needs to be a part of your decision making as you are appointing people to various positions or um, divvying out duties, if you will. Um, are, are people doing the right things for the right reasons or are, they, are, are, are there ulterior motives or different agendas? Because I think when, when you have that, or I promise you something, or, you know, when you have that, it, it can create a, a lack of, um, a lack of result. And as, as a leader, you have to 
position yourself and you really just have to have that honest conversation in not so many ways and one thing that i do in my practice is like i say this and i always tell people that i work with and anybody can quote me i always say we need to do the right things for the right reasons and if i'm talking to someone and i gather that their motive isn't for the right reason i ask i i tend to ask a whole bunch of questions questions i get real curious about okay so you know what is it that you want to accomplish or what is it that you're afraid of or or what's the root cause to try to get to the root cause of them because as a leader one of the most important things that we do is put people in positions um and i and i think of sports you know when when these things come to mind you know i would never ask um you know the quarterback to get into the game and and kick the ball so it, it creates a, a lack of a lack of alignment if you will if people are are not in the right positions and then also doing those things for the right reasons if we have different yeah so that's where i differ though i mean I, like i learned a lot from this guy named tom bilyeu and um <clears throat> he he would take a look at somebody's ulterior motives and say how can i enhance that because like mm-hmm. he, he used to walk into an like having a job interview and he says how at your most selfish and me at my most selfish how can those combine and so he's like, I'll tell you at my most selfish what I want out of you if you tell me at your most selfish what you want out of me. And so he gave this example where this lady was wanting to work uh, on his show. And she's like, well, at my most selfish, I want to work for you for about a year. Uh, I want my video work to be so sought after that people are asking for me. And then after a year, you probably won't be able to afford me. Mm-hmm. And he's like, that was a great answer. He goes, okay, I'll tell you what my most selfish answer is to have you work that hard that I look that good that you will get a lot of job offers and it will be a really tough decision for me to pay you more because those ulterior motives met. Uh, you know, I used to tell my students and, and, you know, when I taught the innovation class, I'm like, this is the most self-serving class in the world because this is built around you. You tell me what you want to accomplish. Now, I know that, you know, running a, a school building or, or whether you're CEO of a company, that may sound a little strange, but, you know, it, it, to your point of putting people in the right place, you wouldn't ask a quarterback to kick a ball. But if the quarterback knows that he's going to be able to throw, I would want him or her to say, what, like, what do you want? What do you really want out of this? And just having the, that clarity up front so you can make some of those things happen. Or if you're not accomplishing that, there's, you know, <clears throat> it wasn't out of lack of effort or clarity from the beginning. Yeah, I, I think I think just it depends on also what, what business you're in. As you said, those things, you know, we work typically with kids. So I think there's almost a necessity for a um, for an individual to be motivated by things that are outside of themselves or at least or at least for me. I think it it's ideal for people to have a heart for the the mission or whatever that goal is and i think that and i think that goes to getting the right people on the bus yeah i want i want extremely talented people but at the end of the day if you if you're driven by by self and not by team then we'll we we will hit a point in in the path on our way to our destination where we don't align and i can't provide you what you want and you're going to become frustrated and disappointed in the process. And then I could have put someone who was willing to grow through that 
And because you're not willing to grow through that at this time, you, you either leave or the, the mission becomes sabotaged or put in jeopardy because we have our own personal things that are going on as opposed to we're both mentally aligned to the one common goal. I think that's right. important. Yeah, so like uh, um, there's two things that, that come to my mind. A lot of times I would have I'd have like this visualization. I'd say, all right, class, close your eyes. I said, you guys go right down. Right. I said, well, first of all, what's for some of you, this is against the law and they kind of snicker. I said, you, 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 you go down to the gas station, you buy a scratch off ticket. For those of you that aren't 18, they didn't card you. You scratch off that ticket and you win $2 million, which really after taxes, $1 million. I said, you don't have to work for the next five years because you have enough money, not enough to retire on but you can do what you want. I said, on a day-to-day basis, what do you do with that money? And ironically enough, my cat's walking in front of my ring camera. Sorry about that. I said, ironically enough, they'll give me answers like, well, I'd invest it or I would, I would, I would buy a big house. And I said, you're not telling me what you do on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. You know, when you take all the way, all of that after they start, cause they're like, Oh, I'd travel every day. I said, after, after three months, you're going to be tired. Well, that's true. I'd buy a nice house. Okay. What do you do? Just sit in that house. You know what most people eventually came up with? What they would do on a day-to-day basis? What's that? Help people. Right. I'm talking like the vast majority. So that's one thing. And secondly, I think about the Shark Tank episode I saw with Damon John once. And uh, he, this guy was mad because, you know, he, he had one of those business models that, you know, if you just bought his product, then he was going to make an impact to the community. And he was mad because people didn't want to buy his product. And then Damon was like, you know, kind of is like, well, what, what if your product's product sucks? Right. And then he's like, first you have to make it, then you have to master it. Then you can matter. Right. So I think that even people that are selfish, they, they got to know that they've got to make it and then master it. They have to refine that thing. So I think instinctively good leaders will allow them to see something beyond the self, but even the, on some selfish motives, you, you, you gotta, you gotta make a lot of adjustments for you to be able to matter. This is true. But, and I think what you just touched on is being able to add value where you are. So yes, it does require people to have certain skill sets, um, to add value to whatever community that they are going to impact. However, the, the, the mindset of that individual, um, has a greater impact than the skill set because if all things were equal and we all have the same degree um, in in a specific field, the only thing that separates us is our mindset and our motives. So then it goes back to if we're not doing the if we're not doing something for the motive, like if if our motives doesn't match the motives of the team and we're in it um, for the wrong reasons, it's almost like. Uh, you know, I use the you wouldn't ask the quarterback to, to kick the ball, but it's almost like, you know, the the, the quarterback or the, the player on the team who's only concerned with individual stats as opposed to um, winning the game. And what that looks like, uh, they did like a statistic uh, back in like uh, when I was watching the NBA. It was Kobe was alive. It was like 2010. And there were some guys who, who would get to, you know, the, the final seconds of the halftime or in the final seconds of halftime and they wouldn't shoot the ball 
because they didn't want their three point percentage to drop because if, the three, if their three point percentage dropped, then they wouldn't make as much money because they had some kind of incentive in their contract. But then the, the, the statistics showed that the people who actually shot the ball helped their teams win more. Um, because especially, especially in those close games, because they had a greater chance of, you know, making a shot and the shot goes in and it went in a lot more than what people had anticipated. But a selfish player would be like, nah, I'm not shooting that. Yeah. <laughs> and that has, and that has, a, and that has an impact on the team. So what you'll get is a whole bunch of people. If, if I'm not doing this thing for the right reason, you'll have a whole bunch of people on your team who are really concerned about their personal stats. It's kind of like when Randy Moss played for the Raiders. Randy Moss, I mean, the Raiders at the time, they had Randy Moss and Warren Sapp, like two generational talent, talents on, on that team. But they couldn't win a game. They won like seven games in five years or something like that, Warren Sapp was saying, because people were concerned only about their own personal motives. Yeah, that's um, so back to clarity, uh, getting getting those people aligned, making sure they believe in the team cause, right. obviously uh, uh, a high, high value. What are some other hurdles you see uh, with people that don't have that clarity going into it? So I think I think another point of clarity is. Um, talking through how to make the decision once the initial decision is made we're going to do x okay after we do x then there are a lot of decisions that need to be made to manage that decision and what i what i'm realizing is as leaders we don't do a good job of training people on how to think through things in in a way that will still move us closer to our intended goal um, you know, because we, we talked about at the beginning, w what happens when something unforeseen happens? Like, what, what is our compass? W what, what do we value? And how are we going to make these decisions? And I think it's really simple. Like, this one is probably the, I say, the, the most simple because it, 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 by the time you get here, you should be out of the weeds. And it's as simple as, hey, let's talk through some of the things that we that we may need to uh, get to if we encounter these problems. Let's talk through how we're gonna handle these situations or an, an adverse situation. What are we gonna do if it goes well? What if we're gonna do if it, if, it, if it goes bad? And think through those processes with our people with, without handcuffing them to say, you do this or you do that. Because a lot of times in leadership, what we'll do is we'll try to think through everything for people as, as opposed to giving them a framework. So clarity in how to make decisions when you're not there. Yeah. Yeah. I've also um, seen how the rest of the team, how they react when you do have the guy that wants to catch all the balls or pad all the stats. Um, cause that, that's hard to be on a team with a person like that, um, on how they sift through that and how they grow. Right. And then you think about, you think about, you know, decision-making with, within, within the framework of our intended goal, you know, um, just like the person, what if, what if somebody gets hurt? What if, what if, you know, we we fall off or like the leader can't be there what 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 are y'all gonna what are y'all gonna do if i'm not here to lead it 
Like that's a real conversation. Who's gonna who's gonna who's gonna lead in my absence and who's gonna make those decisions? Um, and then how are those decisions gonna gonna impact you know our goal? So really talking through those things and aligning. Okay, so this is what's gonna happen if if this happened. Having those, I call them geometry conversations. You know that that theoretical. This is how we need to make decisions. And 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 saying things like if you get lost, just remember that this is the goal. So make sure that all of your decisions move us closer to this or goal X or this goal. You know, I think the hardest part though, is having those crucial conversations. If people are not living up to those goals, I I, I see so many people now that don't like data or Mm -hmm. facts that don't go with their narrative. When you got to give people feedback that, you know what? No, you're not doing that great. No, things aren't going that well. Um, going against that culture of everything is positive. Everything is good. Everybody gets the soccer trophy. What, what if, you know, like how hard is it to make a transition from people that have normally used to been being coddled and that people that need to be led? Well, I think it starts with, you know, for me in my practice, I think when, when you, when you start the, the program or the decision with some of these key levers, this means that we're conversing on a regular basis anyway. So really, if if pe- people tend to perform better when you inspect something. So, you know, I guess progress monitoring for, for leaders, because I think, you know, everyone's a leader. But, you know, if, if you're the lead, if you're the leader of leaders, checking in with that person, being proactive, I think we'll avoid some of those things. And then when you have to have that tough conversation, if this isn't cutting it, um it it it's a lot i say easier i don't i don't like the word easier but it it is more manageable to have those conversations like hey here's what we discussed up front and here's our goal how do you think you're doing in relation to that goal or talk to me like here's the problem like state the problem like the problem is x um can we both agree that this problem you know it has a negative impact on where we're going. Okay, once we get agreement, okay, so so from your end, what are you gonna do to solve that, that problem? And then allow that person to come up with the the problem solving mechanism to the to the problem really within that problem. And as a leader, yeah. it's, it's, it's not your job. Like do not resist the urge to problem solve everything because that person should be uh, being paid a salary. And unless you're going to absorb that salary and do everything yourself, then you pay that person. That person has to develop a solution to the problem that they've created. And you have to you have to sit there with that person until they do it. And then a lot of times you go back and forth, that person deflects, okay, so I understand all of those things, given all of those circumstances, what do you feel like you need to solve that problem. Because here's what I've learned. As soon as you as the leader try to solve that problem, two things happen. They'll they'll do exactly what you say. And if it doesn't work, they'll be like, well, you told me to do that. Or they'll say, well, I don't like that. And then they'll give you a solution anyway. So being patient with that individual in, in that heated moment, because that's never a good conversation to have, but being patient and p- being patient enough to say, hey, um, I'm going to allow you to solve this problem and then being okay with the outcome um, and allowing that person to go to go work through that. Now you are the leader and you are responsible for 
the the outcomes at the end so if there's something that that person says that is just outlandish then you may have to redirect them and agree upon that solution with them but don't be trying to solve that problem for them. yeah this is um guy I worked with would talk about the difference between expectations and agreements. You know, we, we expected these were ha- going to happen. These agreements are what we're going to hold ourselves to mm-hmm. and working through those kind of things. And then, yeah, just like pointing to the things we agreed upon. Um, you know, it can be awkward. Um, but I, <clears throat> I was told several times you don't build trust by telling people what they want to hear or what's comfortable. You build trust by seeking solutions and talking about what needs to be done. So uh, I think that plays right into that. Well, very good, man. Well, hey, guys, we do these things because we like having these conversations out loud. Make sure if you want to give us some feedback of our own and also some topics you guys think that you might want us to cover, because as always, we enjoy hearing from you guys. All right, Jamal, I think that our expectations where we were going to have a good episode tonight. And I think we can both agree that we did. How's that for a dad joke way of ending this broadcast? Oh man, I think it's fantastic. Takes <clears throat> out. I was thinking you're like, oh, I'm rolling my eyes sarcastically because that was a really bad pun. But hey, <clears throat> the expectation is, is that uh, Jamal and I are going to bid you adieu. The agreement is those opportunities are everywhere. We'll see you.